Hello, this is AM590, The Answer, with your host, Anthony Patrick, Roadmap on Real Estate. My companies are New Harvest Ventures, LLC, and New Harvest Realty, Inc. Our BRE number is 020-13694. You can reach us at 909-694-2221, and I will personally answer your phone call. Or email me at anthony at anthonypatrick.net with any real estate questions or concerns. Hey, honey, do you want to talk about uh, the uh, real estate side and how they can reach you if they're looking to buy or sell a home? Hello, listeners. I am Mindy with New Harvest Realty. And if I can help you find or sell your home, give me a call direct at 909-297-0425 or email me at mindy at newharvestrealty.com. Also, don't forget, if you're a veteran or a first-time home buyer or just looking for a home, give me a call. Also, if you're renting and wondering if you can qualify for a home, call me. I would be more than happy to help you. Thank you, hon. So before we get started, I want you to understand why I decided to do this radio show. To help you have a better understanding of all avenues of real estate, from flipping properties, acquiring rental properties, tax liens, probates, and foreclosures. Also, how to build your business, what we'll be talking about on today's radio show. Understand I have a team of experts that are willing to help you and guide you to find a real estate solution for your real estate problems or concerns. Call me. It's free. I buy houses for cash, so give me a call. Let me make a fair offer on your property, and I will pay all commissions and closing costs. Need money for your next flip? Give me a call. Money tied up in probate? Give me a call. You can reach me again at 909-694-2221. Call today. My guest today is Brian Morgan from Corporation Services. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Could you tell our listeners about your company and how they can reach you? Thank you, Anthony and Mindy. Good to be with you today. Um, And I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit with your listeners about the importance of um, being able to protect themselves as they go into doing real estate. Um, My name is Brian Morgan. I'm with a company called Corporation Services. Um, I handle all aspects of business structuring and also do taxes for people um, when they get to a point where they've learned to trust me and understand how important it is um, to actually do it in the right format. So our topic today that is five ways to protect and improve your business. So Brian, how is it the best way to build your business? So let's just say in California or many other states, what should, what should we start with? Like, what should we do? Many people, Anthony and you and I know, um, are starting out as what they call a sole proprietor. And, and getting started, that's what many people start with. Um, to protect yourself and your assets, things that you acquire, you need to do it as a separate entity. Usually an LLC is the easiest way. Um, and we do some different taxations that help protect people um, and make it easier for income to flow to their um, initial business structure. Because some of the the business entities now um, with the LLCs, um, they begin to tax them differently a couple of years ago. So what we do when we set up the LLC, we'll also um, offer them to set it up as an S corporation, which allows it to flow much easier. Um, Also protecting you with the LLC structure. Um, It's one of the better multi-member LLC structures, not single member, but multi-member, um, give you the best when we're dealing with trying to protect assets. So I got a question for you. So going back on that topic, so why would you want to open like in Wisconsin, in California, you know, any, you know, cause I notice a lot of people too, they are, I don't know if they still do it. Like they live in California and then they open up in Vegas. 
uh, or, you know, different. Could you talk about that, please? Um, they do. There are a few reasons um, when you begin to set up a structure, you have to look at how you're going to be operating. Um, if you have someone that does a rehab in California, obviously they're in California. Um, they need something to be able to do the work in California. Now, they can protect themselves and their property by setting up an LLC in another state that owns the piece of real estate. There's a big difference between owning the real estate and doing day-to-day -day operations. So there are ways they can do day-to-day -day operations like rehab slips. Um, those registrations usually will take place in their own individual state. But if they want to protect that asset, they can do a couple of other things and, and give them much better protection as they are beginning to build their wealth, as they're beginning to, or even shelter their wealth if they have it already. Um, there's so many ways you can look at real estate and protect it from many different situations and legal scenarios. So you have sole proprietorship versus single member LLC or multi-member LLC. Could you explain the differences there? Differences there? Sole proprietor is, is when you do your registration, um, you basically give everybody your, your um, social security number. Um, so everybody you do work with um, has to have the social security number. And at the end of the year, when tax time comes, they're going to send you a 1099, normal process. Um, if we talk about a single member LLC, that means one person wants to do all the work and they put their, they, they have an EIN number. But the EIN number then is tied to them personally so that in the event any litigation occurs, they will very easily pierce the veil that that LLC was created for. So I go a step further and create a multi-member LLC. That just means you have to have two people or two, one entity and a person. There are ways to protect it. And I always will do a multi-member versus a sole prop or even a single member LLC for litigation and protection to the individual. Um, that's the big reason. So I know I have at least five, six different entities of LLCs. And I know um, we've talked about this, but it's just different companies. Like for example, like if I do flips, uh, uh, you know, I'll do like three flips under one company and three flips in, under another company. And then I have my buy and holds under another company. People don't understand like one comp like the one company could actually, and if you put, all, like you told us before, you don't put all your nests in one basket. And, and, and that's like they used to say back in the old days. Am I correct uh, that people should have different LLCs if they're doing different types of transactions? Um, it Yes, in, in a short case scenario. Um, when people begin to um, build their um, empire, um, I guess that's a, a broad range, but um, people don't want to put all their eggs in the same basket. And the reason being is that in the event, as a sole proprietor or even as a single member LLC, if you have two homes in that LLC or as a sole prop and you get sued for slip and fall or any type of um, litigation, they will come after both properties. They won't stop with one because they can see those. Um, they know what's recorded under an LLC when they do a property search. Um, so the best case scenario is you have to look at the entire picture. What are you going to do? If you're going to flip one property here and another one there, then use the same multi-member LLC. Um, but if you're going to put multiple properties, then you might have to look at it. Yes, the multi-member, single-member LLCs in California 
um, unfortunately, deal with the um, franchise tax. Um, and that's why creating one for every project may not be the best case scenario because franchise tax is $800. But right, right. you can't deal with that if you use multi-properties or you use land trusts or some other activities that can protect your, not, well, some privacy, yes, but also protect the asset. Great. So this is, I bet, the, the question that our listeners are going to be asking about. And, and I know I'm going to talk about it right now, but and you're going to talk about it, but it's uh, best ways to minimize taxes through LLC, self-employment taxes, states, and federal taxes. This is one of the uh, questions one of our listeners, I actually a bunch of listeners sent us. So your thoughts? Um, my thoughts, if, if you are a sole proprietor, in other words, you do everything under your social security number, um, you don't have any asset protection. Um, if you have a personal home and you're doing rentals, um, they could take your personal home and your rentals. Um, I've had a few occasions as I've worked with people that felt they were preparing for retirement only to lose everything because of something some happened. Um, from a tax standpoint, sole proprietors, you'll pay a 15.3% self-employment tax. It's, it's a given. Um, single member LLCs, at least it gives you some way to um, be able to use a number of deductions and multi-members give you a, not only asset protection, but they also give you much better reduction when you're dealing with taxes. You know that from your standpoint, everything you do runs through your LLCs. It, it's just that isn't personal income. Um, you need to shelter it some way. And the only way you can is to use the multi-member LLCs. That's the best tax benefit. Um, because what I normally do is I'll take an LLC and have it taxed as an S corporation because there are minimal taxes when it comes to the Congress change just a few years ago on multi-member LLCs. So there are different ways to do it. It depends on how aggressively you're moving forward. depends on how many properties you're going to be dealing with. Um, so there's a, a broad spectrum of ways you have to look at every situation. Not everybody is the same. You know, I wish you could make a cookie cutter. That would be super but you can't. Um, so each individual person, we have to review, make sure what they're doing, the direction they want to move forward. And then that gives us an opportunity to say, okay, this is your best case scenario. And what's it going to do for me on my tax end? How can it help me by using a multi-member LLC? And that's what we try and help people develop. Anthony, you know that from your case scenario, but they have to have a basis. And that's where the, the multi-member LLC comes in. Thank you, Brian. Um, that was quick. Can you take us to the break, please? You have been listening to Anthony Patrick Roadmap on Real Estate. Thank you for tuning in. We will be right back after the break talking more on five ways to protect and improve your business. Hello, this is Anthony Patrick. And Mindy with New Harvest Ventures and New Harvest Realty. I've been blessed to be a real estate investor and mentor for over 15 years here in Southern California. I learned the art of flipping houses from the ground floor as I started as a handyman. I have helped hundreds of people across the country achieve success in the real estate industry by sharing with them what I have learned. God has blessed my husband and I with our marriage of 26 years along with our real estate businesses. We are so excited to share all we have learned by helping others with their real estate needs. Tune into our show, Roadmap on Real Estate, here each Saturday at 12 noon. If you need help in any way with any real estate questions about investing in real estate, please give me a call at 909-694-2221. Or if you're looking to buy or sell your house, call us again at 909-694-2221 or go to our website at newharvestventuresllc.com. That's newharvestventuresllc.com. AM 590, the answer. 
Tiffany Patrick Roadmap on Real Estate. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Brian Morgan from Corporation Services. On the first half of our show, we talked on how to do business in California and many other states as well, sole proprietorship versus single member LLC and multi-member LLC, and the best way to minimize taxes through LLC, self-employment taxes, state and fed taxes. Also, don't forget, you can hear all of our recordings of our past shows on newharvestventuresllc.com. That's newharvestventuresllc.com and on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, hun. So also too about the Apple uh, podcast, just to let you know that's new. And then I guess Android has something so you can hear me on there too. So I'm blessed and just go and look under Anthony Patrick Roadmap on Real Estate or just Google my name on there, uh, Anthony Patrick. So Brian, what about business expenses like vehicle expenses, food expenses, uh, taking out clients? And um, here's a question. Um, it's all tied into uh, together. So do you recommend or about these expenses? So I know we have our own personal credit cards, but I also have a new Harvest American Express card that I do, you know, when I'm doing real estate and stuff like that and taking out clients or uh, 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 people that I'm coaching and things of that nature. Uh, what do you recommend as far as when it comes to business expenses? Um, business expenses are a crucial part of fortifying your business. Um, in other words, if I use my personal credit card, and sometimes you have to use it in order to get going because you, one, if you don't have a business card, um, you need to use your own personal to fund some things that you're working through. But in the long run, if the um, IRS were to come back and say, okay, let's look at a little bit at your expenses. Let's see where they are if they want to audit your records. Um, if they're tied through the business and the business account is where all those expenses are going, it's much easier to prove they were a business-related expense. If we take it on a personal note, then you have to um, take your personal credit card and show those expenses. And if there are expenses that say, hey, you wanted to go out to lunch with somebody one afternoon, um, typically that expense is a 50% is a marginal if you talk about business. If you and your partner or you and someone else go out to lunch and you decide, okay, we're going to spend an hour and talk about business structures, then write the entire lunch off. There's some guidelines the IRS doesn't now enforce. Well, no, back up. They do enforce it. Um, but you want to make sure that they are a designated business expense. Um, if it's you and you know a friend going out to lunch and you don't talk about anything um, related to a business activity or some type of business, then use it as a personal expense, not as a business. Um, as much as you can separate business and personal, the better you are if one, there's ever an audit or if there's ever any litigation that comes down, um, if you do everything through the business with business-related activities, you can separate all of that. It makes it much easier. Um, if you're talking about um, any type of uh, travel, you know, you're talking about any type of um, activities that you um, are wanting to do, um, make sure that there's a business purpose. Um, a couple of months ago, um, we were able to travel um, we had been trying to go to Hawaii for a while, but, um, there were so many things that I couldn't do. I met a couple of clients when I was in Hawaii, I could write off part of that expense. Um, I spent some time with them and helped them to understand many of the things that I talk about with you too. Um, and it gives them a, a very good, um, support because they know who I am. 
uh, now everybody sees you, you know, on Zoom or everything else you do. But one of the things you need to do is make sure it's a business expense um, that you've made it something that can be written off. Um, and that way, then you're able to write it off without any question. OK, is this business or is this personal? Um, if it's personal, put it on your own credit card. If it's not, then use the business for sure. Um, and I try and write as much as I can through the business because it minimizes my, my taxes. And that's where, you know, the multi-member LLCs come into play versus the sole prop because the sole prop, everything you do is either personal or business, but it's all together. So it's more difficult to regulate, more difficult to prove. Ryan, at, at the break, we were talking about land trust. So could you explain uh, the land trust to our listeners, please? Sure. Um, yeah, a land trust is a, um, when you go and buy a piece of property, you're going to put the property in one, your name, or into an LLC. Um, if you sell it um, in the LLC, which all of your business is, that's perfectly fine. Let's say you have some properties that are now in your own name, properties that you've rented for many, many years. Um, how do you transfer them? Um, normally, when you go to transfer a property and move it into an LLC, the IRS is going to say, okay, you're selling that property, even though you're not. Um, so you can move it out of your personal name into a land trust and then land trust back into the LLC. The LLC still owns it, but you can transfer it and not incur selling that piece of real estate and having to pay capital gains on that income. Because to the IRS, it doesn't matter if they're not personal. So if you take a personal property and roll it into an LLC, you're going to get taxed on it. Um, land trust, avoid that taxation. It's much easier to move it through. Thank you. So last time we uh, spoke, we got all kinds of calls on this. And it's a what about living trust, avoid probate taxes, things like that. So the land trust, so listeners uh, that are listening out there, listen up to this, especially right here, uh, living trust to avoid probate. So this is a big key right here. One of the questions I'm asking you. Um, living trust, when you create a living trust, what you're doing is you're putting all of your assets into a trust format. Now, trusts don't protect against litigation. Trusts are used to um, help someone in the event of their demise. Um, what it allows you to do is all the assets that are in your personal name are put into the trust. The trust then allows all of those assets to avoid probate tax. If you don't want to pay probate tax, then put it into a living trust that then moves. The living trust is also part of a will. Those are two things that are put together. Um, but if you, don't, um, if you don't put it into the land trust, um, it will go through probate, no questions asked. Um, you'll pay probate taxes. Typically, 10% of all your assets are going to go to pay probate if they're one, either not in a living trust that then has a, a will that helps move that through. Um, so you want to avoid that. And the only way to avoid it is to put them into the living trust, Anthony. So on the living trust, don't you recommend to a lot of our listeners, I'm, I'm sorry, as we get older, no one's promised tomorrow. And, and it seems like a, a lot of times, especially uh, parents out there that have six, seven you know, kids, four or five kids, um, without, I've seen it and you've probably seen it too. Or even if you have, a, uh, if you have the trust, you're better off avoiding a family separation because it seems like, and, and just from my family to other families that, you know, that we're in real estate, that there's a total fight on this. So, you know, um, I believe that, especially if you're now, I, even if you're in your 50s, 60s, you know, get it done. Don't wait till the, you're, you're uh, 
dying in your bed where, you know, people are coming in to uh, want you to sign things. Don't you agree? The earlier, the better to get this done, to get a land, uh, excuse me, to get a, a living trust. They are. I've had personal experiences over the last few years of um, the same thing happening. Um, we thought that a trust was in place and it was. Um, but in certain states, there are guidelines that will dictate what the state is going to do. So what you need to do is once you put the trust in place, the trust also lets you govern where you want all your assets to go. It says if you want something to go to Tom or Jerry or, or Mary or um, Cindy, whatever, you can dictate that in that living trust. And then that asset is then conveyed to that individual. There doesn't go through probate. There might be some things that are left out of your trust. If you do, there's what they call a pour over will. There's a number of ways assets can be moved into protect yourself from the living will. But I'm dealing as a family, we're dealing with some situations that um, the uh, living will was in place, um, but it, 20 years in the making. Um, but there should have been an update. I tried to get that update into place. Um, and no one wanted to take action. So unfortunately, you deal with the probate consequences. If you have a car that's outside the trust, if you have property, a home, land, cabin, boats, and other things, if they're not listed in the trust, you're going to pay probate taxes on almost every bit of those that are outside the trust. Um, and then you have to kind of have somebody come in and appraise them and make sure that they're um, valued. And then you got to pay the probate tax. Um, so you got to make sure that that's important um, and make sure that you take care of those assets up front. So I know we're running out of time, but quickly, I want to touch on this. What about nominee services? Can you talk quickly about that, please? Um, I can. Many times um, when people create entities, they don't want their name listed. Um, they're because of, let's say it's a rental property um, and they buy many mul multiple rental properties. Um, if somebody wanted to do a name search under one of those properties, they would just continue to look on state records and see the name search. Um, many times we put a nominee or someone else's business name um, on there to protect them so that they um, don't have their name shown on everything that they're doing. Um, and it's not to hide anything. It's to protect your assets. And that's the biggest thing people can do if they want to protect themselves. There are ways around the normal day-to-day um, -day operations of things that we can protect those assets and make them um, pliable so that we'll, you're earning, you've got the assets you want to send them somewhere, you want to give them to somebody, do it, but do it through a, the trust and, and through your wills. Thank you. So uh, again, uh, Brian, how could they reach you again, please? Your phone number? Uh, the best number to reach me at is 877 and you can also reach me um, on my email at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at C as in Charlie, R as in Robert, P as in Paul, Sam, Victor, Sam, dot com. Um, so please send me a text or any way that works. Thank you, Brian. Mindy, we want to take us home, please. Lots of good nuggets, Brian. Thank you. Join us next week on Saturday at 12 noon. This is AM 590, The Answer with Anthony Patrick, Roadmap on Real Estate. From New Harvest Ventures and New Harvest Realty, you can call us direct at 909-694-2221. If you're looking to buy or sell, give me a call, 909-297-0425. God bless, pay it forward, and be kind to others. And don't forget, wash your hands.
Hello, this is Anthony Patrick. And Mindy with New Harvest Ventures and New Harvest Realty. I've been blessed to be a real estate investor and mentor for over 15 years here in Southern California. I learned the art of flipping houses from the ground floor as I started as a handyman. I have helped hundreds of people across the country achieve success in the real estate industry by sharing with them what I have learned. God has blessed my husband and I with our marriage of 26 years along with our real estate businesses. We are so excited to share all we have learned by helping others with their real estate needs. Tune into our show, Roadmap on Real Estate, here each Saturday at 12 noon. If you need help in any way with any real estate questions about investing in real estate, please give me a call at 909-694-2221. Or if you're looking to buy or sell your house, call us again at 909-694-2221 or go to our website at newharvestventuresllc.com. That's New Harvest Ventures, LLC.com.